Hi, it's Marielle. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Personal Podiums. A few years ago, I realized how important the Workplace TV show was. It happened at training camp, six-plus weeks away from home base and the better part of 20 hours a day spent with teammates. It was the closest I'd ever been to a spousal arrangement in my young adult life, and it was a lot. Not a lot in a bad way, but a lot. I used to run with this girl in college, and we didn't have much to talk about. But every morning at 5 a.m., we would peel back our duvets, debating dawn, not wanting to wake from the heaviness of our sleep, but we did. We found rhythm on Austin's most popular running route, Town Lake Trail. I would be nervous about these runs, not because of the heat or the inevitable fatigue that builds with each mile you run. No, I was worried about what we would talk about. Would she prefer silence? Or should I pepper her with questions, not really listening, but loading the arsenal of my tongue to spitfire the next response, the next question, in order to not let the silence become a song remixed by the rhythm of our feet? When I say I lived in sheer panic each morning, I am not lying. I felt the endorphins of mileage logged not from a job well done, but with the elation that I had survived another conversation. The picking and prodding to find connection had come to a close, and I was free. Until tomorrow. I used to joke that in addition to my summer school classes, I will be studying my conversation cards. An academic strategy for human connection. Do I sound cool yet? Okay, back to training camp. Same scenario, a few years down the road. I don't feel nearly as compelled to be the driver of conversation at home, on runs, or in the car. But it still left me wondering. How do people talk in the workplace with coworkers in which they seemingly have nothing in common with except for the task at hand? Insert Vanderpump rules, The Real Housewives, Summer House, Girls Club, Love is Blind... Seemingly meaningless shows that offer up an opportunity to connect, to peel back the lives of other people in order to talk about ourselves. The perfect centerpiece for a relationship on the brink. There has to be some connection. It doesn't have to evolve into a full-blown romance. You're a mother and a father. So get a husband. It's not like buying a car, you know. I know it's got to be that campy, can't sleep, reach for the stars over the fence. Old serious kind of stuff, right? Well, a girl's gotta have her standard. But you need a spark. To be a good teammate, a good coworker, there has to be something. And no one wants to study conversation cards. That's where TV comes in. At camp, it was The Bachelorette. In the world, it's been Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad. These cultural pulse points that stop us individually and make us move together. If I were on a run right now, there is no way I wouldn't bring up the FX series The Bear. A captivating narrative about a failing kitchen whose pastry chef Marcus had a storyline I could not look away from. I couldn't help but cling to the hope of a young person finding their way, cry at the emotional burden having lofty aspirations creates, laugh when the journey went horribly, horribly off track, and smile at the notion of trying again and again. 
I spoke with Ziditu, co-owner of the 100% vegan small batch gourmet donut shop in Brooklyn Heights, New York. Her and her partner, Derek Falcon, also own two locations in Maryland and are in the process of opening a fourth location in Nolita. They're living in the real-life world I imagine Marcus's fictional character could arrive in. In The Bear, Marcus's character has this obsession with craft that reminds me so much of flow states in sports. When you identify your passion and you begin habit-stacking ways to get better. In running, it might be adding mileage, starting weight training, better sleeping habits, nutrition. For him, it was cutting pictures of well-crafted desserts. Then it was about obsessing over color, flower density, shape. It's this beautiful depiction of a thoughtful character who was really focused and consumed by the work of betterment. We're connecting being a chef, owning a business, and my chosen discipline of running all with the show I just can't stop thinking about. If you haven't watched The Bear Season 1, go press play. How do you and your partner think about the process of Betterman and what drove you to have the vision for Cloudy Donuts and you know really turn it into a reality? I would definitely say that Derek is the mastermind when it comes to the pastry aspect and element of our Cloudy Donut Company. Um, He grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and his family is from Littleton, North Carolina. So the concept actually came out of having a breakfast restaurant and learning how to cook a lot of these things for a really big family. Um, And after having a successful breakfast restaurant, um, for about it's about six years, um, he wanted to shift into a world that was seemingly easier. So that's what we thought when we moved into the space of pastry. But as we've grown with Cloudy Donut, we've learned that much like the shape of a donut, it is a full circle kind of world within itself and everything, um, every little detail when you have one of our donuts from the first bite to Um, even seeing it go into your box or even coming into the shop and and seeing it on the rack, everything is very intentful for us. We're even known for like putting something out and then maybe kind of seeing, wait, this doesn't feel right or doesn't look right and sending it back to the kitchen before we present it again. So uh, really paying close attention um, with intention to the product is something that is, is close to our heart because quality for us is, is a direct reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we approach each flavor, each collaboration, each partnership, and each conversation that we have around the brand because it all comes back to center and who we are. Right. And just have to say for for people that can't taste them right now, your donuts are delicious. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Seriously, um, I can feel the intention behind behind your your shop and and the goods that you serve. And I'm really happy the world gets to experience your sweet potato cinnamon rolls. <laughs> They're very delicious. Um, but like typically, a donut shop is is a symbol of a changing neighborhood, and mm-hmm. You know, in the bear, a black man is the lead on a storyline about donuts. And I thought when I first saw that on TV, it really shifted my mind on what the narrative on a t- typical like gentrification story could be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I look at your shop as kind of a real life example of this. Yeah. Honestly, for us with the donut shop, it's the concept is simple. It's it's really about studying the neighborhood, um, understanding our, again, going back to intent and going back to Cinder, understanding who we are as, as people and the value that we can bring into these neighborhoods. So when we, Derek has been doing this like historically ever since he started his, his businesses. Um, but I come in with more of an educational and historical piece because I'm just like really interested in, in all of those things, even like ethnography, like understanding people and, and where we go, where we travel, where we settle, right? So um, what I learned is that we were doing what I call reverse gentrification, which is bringing our Black-owned businesses into affluent white communities on purpose. Um, and it was really to provide a level of understanding and insight to the black businesses and to the entrepreneurs. Um, and so a lot of our customers are frequenting, a lot of our customers being, you know, people of the neighborhood are uh, frequenting a black business intentionally for the first time. So that isn't to say that, you know, they haven't been to a restaurant or an establishment that wasn't black owned, but when they come into Cloudy Donut, it's very clear. Um, who we are, our mission. Oftentimes we're there. You might see, you know, me behind the counter. You might see him coming out the kitchen with something hot and fresh, right? Um, and so it's 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 not nothing that we do is by happenstance. It's all um, very much a consorted effort, conversations that begin in the home and then actualized in the communities for which we go. Mm-hmm. And just in general, I, I feel like black food entrepreneurs have this long history in the country of building social relationships around, you know, the sustenance, the food that they provide. How do you see your role in community building? I know your shop does a lot outside of just making donuts. Maybe Mm -hmm. just like talk to a little bit about what what that role is like community building and and what you do. Absolutely. I mean, for us, community building is, is so, so imperative, which is why we started the Brown Collective. Um, When we learned that, you know, we were the first um, and the only in in so many cases, whether it's, you know, first Black-owned business uh, in, you know, Nolita, which will be opening in the fall, or first Black-owned food and beverage business in Brooklyn Heights, or, you know, the only 100% Black-owned vegan donut shop in the country, we couldn't settle with just like, oh, that's great, right? and so it was really, it was really important for us to consider, you know, having this, having, having made this way, right? Having started this history and kicking down the door. Now, how can we use that same door as a bridge um, to bring more people in and into this world? Um, and so the Brown Collective is all about um, providing people of color with the opportunity to curate cultivate and take up space Um, and it's quite simple it's what he calls you know putting more black faces on white spaces especially when we speak to um, more of a luxury concept because when you think of black owned businesses in a space of luxury it's very far few and in between and often just represented within fashion and art and so we wanted to create a space that could merge fashion art food um, and, you know, many other things 
into 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 a world for which you know people can can participate in feel a part of and truly be seen yeah no I just want that work definitely doesn't go unnoticed it's kind of the thing that drew me to to your shop in the first place was it felt like it was more than just just going to get a donut which I think is a really cool experience to provide for your customers so yeah thank you I'm going to kind of describe to you this elaborate scene and I would mm -hmm. love to hear what you think about it and and maybe how it applies to your work. Okay. So there's this scene in the bear where where Carmi recollects his days in the world of fine dining. He goes into detail about the process of making this plum dish. Um, this fruit dessert is kind of the epitome of the overcomplicated and ridiculously demanding nature of fine dining. Uh, it represents everything we assume that his character is running from. Right after he recalls this dish, he decides to go back to the old guard way of organizing the staff to try and create structure and organization in a failing kitchen. Even though we know from Carmi and Sydney's flashbacks that this method has kind of stripped both of them of the early joy they had in cooking, you know, and I just want to know how you stay curious in your business. Just you talked a little bit about the Brown Collective, but also maybe just some things that Cloudy Donuts does outside of baking that allows you to continue to innovate and not kind of cling so hard to tradition um, in order to gain control over, you know, kind of incontrollable variables. I think one thing that really helps with us to be able to stay inspired and remain innovative in, in what we're doing um, is being in New York City. Uh, the goal for us was always to get into a major city. You know, we started in Baltimore, Maryland, and we do have plans uh, to, you know, go to California as well. And it's it's really about the spaces and the places, you know, because when you're in an area that um, where you may not find or, you know, receive a lot of inspiration, um, it can be difficult to to push forward. You can you can fall prey to what customers may say about you know whatever your product is or whatever it is that you're doing. And sometimes it isn't that you've got the wrong product, but you're doing it in the wrong spaces. And so we have only been open uh, in Brooklyn since October of 2022, and so many amazing opportunities have come our way. And it's also important to note that these opportunities that we've had, these partnerships that we've forged, these collaborations that we're building, um, definitely stems from who we are as as individuals and who we are as a collective. Because we are not we're not shy in any way about our intentions, about our goals, and our messaging. We have a very strong social tone within the brand, and I think it's really. Um, I think it's really important, as you said, to stay curious, but also to understand and hold on to your why. Because if you don't have a clear understanding of your why, you know, why you're doing it, then it can push you further and further away from doing the thing because you can fall prey to what other people say or, you know, and, and sometimes it isn't that, again, that your product is, is wrong or that it's not great, but it's just you might not be in the best market for people to receive it. But if you know why you're doing it, then you're going to continue to stay inspired and you're going to be able to continue to, to, to create.
Mm-hmm. And what's your why for, you know, why you started a business, why you continue to to want to grow it? Yeah, I would, my why is, to be honest, my initial why has changed. So it's funny that I say that. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's still there, but my initial why had everything to do with being in a relationship with, um, a man, the man, you know, that, that I love who is Derek and, you know, him starting the business and, and wanting to come alongside and, and, and support him in that way. Um, and over time, you know, that love still continues to grow, but it grew stronger for myself as I was able to see myself stretch in ways in which I never imagined. Mm-hmm. I've never worked so hard in my entire life, not because I wasn't capable, but because I didn't even, I didn't personally push myself to do so. And I've been an employee for 33 years you know and it's been within the last two years where I've had to step into the space of being a boss and really step up and and show myself who I am how I am and and really give myself I am my why now you know it started with my why is you know connected to this person that that I'm growing with and over time it really turned into you're doing this because you deserve one to see what what you're capable of and then two to continue to push forward to get everything that you deserve mm-hmm. yeah no I think that that's a really great point about like partnership or teammates mm-hmm. is they do elevate your own perspective of yourself and you you that's not like to what your point your probably your original intention was to just be in community to have friends or to have love whatever it may be but then yeah does really serve the self in a, a pretty incredible way so that's cool to just hear the evolution of of the why of the why yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and you mentioned your your days are insane could you walk us yeah. through what's a typical day look like for you oh there's no typical day <laughs> it's, it's highly nuanced right so I mean if we're talking like Friday through Sunday I'm typically up at 5 a.m I'm heading out the door at 6 a.m. I'm at the donut shop at 6 30. I'm in there. I'm checking quality, making sure the staff has everything they need, um, making sure that's for the back of the house. My front of the house guy comes in at seven, making sure he's got everything he needs. And then I'm anywhere contingent upon, you know, what's happening in the donut shop. I could be there um, from about 6 30 a.m. to 1 p.m. or I could be there uh, until about 5 p.m. It's it's really, you know, contingent upon what's happening. And then I guess just lastly, what's yeah. I know you mentioned opening new new locations, but what does the vision for the future look like? No, I know you don't want to give too much away because that's you gotta yeah. go to the shops and find out, participate in the events, but mm-hmm. in maybe an overarching way, what what does the vision for the future look like for you all? Yeah, so we're really excited. The The brand is going to, the brand is very cohesive in the sense of like some of the tones that we have from Baltimore to Brooklyn to even Nolita, which would be like our, um, we have a corn silk tile that we use, which is like an homage to like public schools, right? Um, we have, um, which is very special to me, by the way, because I was actually a teacher for 14 years. Um, and the corn silk tile was sourced by Derek because it reminded him of his, his childhood. Um, we also have our classic uh, green and teal countertop that we have um, 
with the with the the career marble um, that we have at all three locations that will also be featured in Nolita as well. But this space is going to be a bit different in the sense of we're going more for a gallery aesthetic, um, and this will be Quality Donut powered by the Brown Collective. So this will be a space where you'll be able to see some more of those activations and, and installations um, highlighting works of other uh, creatives of color in order to come into the space and, and, and reshape it. So we've got these huge windows. It's so beautiful um, where you'll be able to see artistic designs and we're going to be collaborating with florists and muralists and you know, it's it's something that we're very excited about because it's not just about the donuts anymore. And it's definitely not just about Derek and I, but the world um, in which we've created and, and the people that are within it. No, I, I mean, I love that. And I feel you know, beyond excited to just see all of the ways that, that you're going to be able to grow through those activations. And I think that's such a one of the things that I really love about food culture in general is all of the things outside of the meal that it creates for you. Very excited and honestly inspired by all the work that you guys have been doing. So <laughs> no, thank you. And I, I would, there. <laughs> absolutely. And, and I would also like to say that, you know, you as, you know, uh, a, a person within the sports world, a woman within the sport, sports world, um, and, and the rigorous training that you've put your mind, body, soul, spirit, all of those things into is, is very admirable. Um, you know, and so I, when, when you came to the shop and you were like, oh, I have an idea, you know, I'd love for you to be on the podcast. I have an idea. I was super excited. Um, because I think that even if we're not within the same industries and worlds, our worlds overlap. And it's really important specifically as women and women of color to understand and engage in those ways, you know, because sometimes, um, sometimes people may not engage in, in certain conversations because they'll say like, well, I, I, you know, I'm not in the sports world. What do, or they might not listen to the podcast because they may think like, well, what does this have to do with me? But everything is so interconnected. And the more that we have these conversations and we share our experiences, we recognize how close and connected we are. Um, so I thank you, you know, for this opportunity. And I'm just excited to see the brand grow and you know, perhaps there's opportunity to do some sort of crossover collab with you as well in the future. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> to myself right now, I'm like, there's several run clubs that should start from some of your locations. Like on that point, maybe just tell people where, where they can find you, your hours, your locations. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know you said you're speaking on a panel, any other thing yeah. you're out and about in the city doing that, that people can connect with with you. So we are uh, on Instagram at Cloudy Donuts, C-L-O-U-D-Y-D-O-N-U-T-S. Um, we are also on the TikTok. I'm still figuring it out at Cloudy Donut Co. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on all socials, Google, Yahoo, all the things. Um, I do have an interview coming out next month in September with Yahoo Finance. Um, I'm speaking on a panel this Saturday, all about, um, in spirit of black business month, speaking on a panel about building community through food, um, under the, uh, partnership with she did that, which was a brilliant documentary. Um, I am also, we're also hosting a, uh, pop-up this Saturday 
um, in collaboration with June Ambrose and her daughter, Summer Hope Chamblin, which is very exciting. Um, Summer is, this is her first culinary kind of pop-up in this way. Um, and June will be participating as a supporter of her daughter um, and just big energy sharer that she is. Um, and we're excited about that. Um, and we are preparing for a truck tour, a cloudy donut truck tour, um, starting in the DMV. So I'm really excited to do something back home as I am from DC and then coming up to New York. So we'll be posting those dates where we'll be popping up, um, coming up at the end of the month. And what else is next for us? I mean, the Brown Collective, definitely follow us there on Instagram. We are the dot Brown Collective. Um, as we build the website, we are collecting emails for subscribers so we can share a lot of the exciting happenings that will be taking place in the new year. Um, and then in addition to those things, I um, also have a podcast uh, called Sober in the Morning, which is all about creating, um, it's all about, sorry, redefining sobriety through conversations on mental wellness. Um, and so I'm very excited to bring those conversations into the space of food and beverage, um, specifically talking to uh, female entrepreneurs in, this, in these spaces about ways in which we, um, you know, bring fortitude to our bodies and our spirits. I mean, in my personal opinion, food and beverage is one of the most toxic industries. Um, and so it's really important to to have and forge community as best you can. So those are the things that are happening with us. Um, I personally can be found um, on Instagram at Zodi2, Z-E-W-I-D-I-T-U. And yeah. <laughs> yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Oh, yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. City, but better, chef. Yes, chef. Heard, chef. Yes, chef. 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 It's right here. Chef. You can have chef. a take.